take your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation, the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 6, last book in the Bible. You can find it. Revelation chapter 6. All righty. Today, I'm going to help you. We're going to help you. God's Word's going to help you. I'm going to give you one of the most valuable things that you'll ever lay hold of in this life. Today, we're going to talk about living in divine peace. We're going to talk about peace today. Do you know how valuable peace is? I don't care what you've got. I don't care how much you've got. If you don't have peace on the inside, you're never going to enjoy what you got. I don't care what you don't have. If you have the peace of God right here, life is going to be wonderful. And we're living in a day where this is becoming problematic. And we're going to talk today from Scripture about divine peace, living in divine peace. It's called the peace of God. And it is desperately needed in this land today. Um, to begin with, I'm going to bring you some bad news. I'm sure you're glad you tuned in to get some bad news. But before I can give you the good news, I've got to show you the bad news. We're going to look at a prophecy in the book of Revelation. We could look at many places. We're in a period of unrest in our nation right now, especially this weekend. It's not just this weekend. We're in a period of unrest globally right now. We're in a period of unrest in the human heart in this land right now. And the Bible prophesied it would be like this as we move closer and closer to the second coming of Jesus. And I'm going to show you from prophecy, from scripture today, and Revelation is a future prophecy of why things are going on in the earth like they are right now and a sign of some things to come. I don't know if you're familiar with Revelation chapter 6. It is where we see what's called the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Billy Graham wrote one of the greatest books ever written called The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And it's where the Bible predicts that before Jesus comes back, four powerful dark spirits would go out across the earth. One is Antichrist, one is famine and plague, one is death. But I want us to look at the second horse of the apocalypse, and I want you to see what he does as the Bible prophesied this would happen. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 3. Revelation 6, 3. Now this, this is future prophecy here, and it's coming to pass right now. He opened the second seal. I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Now here's what he saw in the spirit. This is a revelation. Verse 4. Another horse, a fiery red horse, went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it. What's these words? To take peace out of the earth. To take peace out of the earth and the people should hate one another and kill one another. And there was given to this rider a great sword. Of course, by sword, we mean a uh, weapon of war instrument today. That is a prophecy. And uh, it's, it's not the horse, it's the rider on the horse. You understand we're not talking about a literal horse. We're not talking about a literal rider. This is an evil spirit that is released in the earth. And what does this spirit have the ability to do? Take peace out. To take peace out of the earth. And of course, when, peace, when the peace of God is lifted out of the earth, what do you have left? The men will hate each other and kill each other. And of course, the great tragedy is they'll be given great instruments of death, great weapons of war, great sword. The Bible would say that we're seeing this in our land right now. And this is one of the great prophecies. I could take you to many other prophecies in scripture that predict as we move closer and closer to the second coming of Jesus, peace will disappear in the earth and people will struggle. And of course, the, I think we're seeing it now. Listen, I'm 62 years old. I've seen it in my lifetime. I've seen a major transition in my lifetime just in the way people treat each other. And it can boil down to just this. We're losing our peace and peace is being taken out of the earth. And uh, the Bible do you notice the Bible said that this thing took peace out of the earth? Can I say he stole peace? Guess who comes to steal and then kill and destroy? 
Now, this is a great work of darkness that's going on in the earth right now, and it's being reflected uh, in, in modern times. Now, this piece is being taken from two places. Number one, internally, inside. The Bible prophesied in Luke chapter 21, verse 26, that a day would come before the second coming of Jesus where men's hearts would be failing them for the fear of things to come in the earth. Great fear would come on the earth uh, and great uh, anxiety and nervousness, worry would come on the earth. Of course, we're seeing that nowadays. Deuteronomy 28 prophesied it greatly that the things you will see will drive you mad and internally. Um, let me just throw this out here. We're, we're struggling on the inside as a nation. 25% of adult women are on psychiatric drugs to try to find peace. Our church is not here this morning, but if they were, we would have over a thousand women in here. 250 to 300 would be on psychiatric medication trying to find peace. That's a 400% increase since the 1980s. That, that's a growing unrest on the, and I'm not criticizing it. Thank God for medication. I'm just saying we're struggling on the inside. Listen, if you don't need to hear statistics, go to Walmart and look around. What do you see in the faces of people? You see a heaviness. Uh, just look around in the nation at what you're seeing today. That's, uh, that's prescribed drugs. We've had a tremendous surge in alcohol use, drug use in our nation. That's self-medication. I just, this past week, I got the testimonies of five men who graduated from uh, a drug rehab center that we supported in Florida. Every one of them said this, I stole from my mama. I broke all my relationships. I did anything I could to try to find something to make me happy and bring peace on the inside, uh, which is the root of school. Listen, it's a tremendous problem on the inside of people's lives today, but not only on the inside, the Bible said it would be racially, excuse me, relationally. Uh, you're familiar with the civil unrest we're having in our nation right now. This is a reflection. People say, well, it's because of this or this. It is because a spirit has gone out into the earth to take peace out of the earth that is driving what's going on. And one of the, great, the greatest prophecy that Jesus made, Matthew 24, is where Jesus said, this is what it'll look like right before I come back. A couple of the prophecies made, they said, number one, he said, uh, ethnic groups will rise against ethnic groups. Now, your Bible may say in Matthew 24, 7, nation will rise against nation. It's the Greek word. It's not nation like America, like the United States, Mexico, uh, Canada. The word is ethnos. Ethnicity will war against ethnicity, racial divide. What we have today is very minor league compared to what's going on in Africa right now. Uh, different places, Myanmar, Bangladesh, with the ethnic cleansing and the murder and the slaughter of people just because you're not like me. That is that spirit taking peace out of the earth that men would kill one another. And we're seeing this unrest among groups in our land right now. Uh, verse 12 said this, anarchy will increase because anarchy will increase in the earth. You know what anarchy is? There's no law. Because anarchy will increase, the love of many will grow cold. And what we're seeing is increasing lawlessness and dying love in the land. You say, well, you brought me here to hear this this morning. No, I want to paint you the picture of what, what the Bible said would be coming to show you why we need this so much. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one said, know this. Listen, if God said, know this, we should know this. That in the latter days, very difficult, stressful times will come. And then it says, because, and it's simply when you read that whole list, it's simply this, peace is disappearing in the earth and peace is being taken out of the earth. And the, listen, the unrest in people's souls 
and then the unrest in relationships is going to create a very stressful atmosphere before Jesus comes back. So we've got plan on plan, from here on out till Jesus gets back, increasing unrest inside and around us. You say, well, thank you for bringing that to me. All right, no, that's not why we're here today. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Here's what we came to talk about this morning. There is a supernatural peace you can live in that is unaffected by anything going on around you. There is a peace that is so powerful that you, what's going on around you has no effect on you. Uh, one of the greatest pictures of this peace, we're going to talk about it because Jesus paid a tremendous price to give you his peace so you could live in it. And one of the greatest pictures of this peace, we looked at it several weeks ago. Mark chapter 4, Jesus and his friends were in a boat and a terrible life-threatening storm came on that boat. Everybody in that boat was screaming, we're going to die. Jesus slept through the storm. That's an illustration. That's not in there to show you how to make it on Jordan Lake on a rough day. That is to show you that you can sleep through the worst storm. You know why Jesus could sleep while they were screaming? He had something called the peace of God resting on him. And he wants to give you that peace. I like the peace of God. I live in it. Let's look at the peace of God. Let's look at supernatural peace in Philippians chapter 4. I think this is the premier passage on living in supernatural peace. In Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to ask you a question while we're turning here. How important is peace? I mean, it's foundational. Everything in the kingdom starts with peace. I would dare say you can't enjoy anything in life till you have peace. Listen to this verse. From, I'm just going to quote this to you. You'll be fine in Philippians 4. James chapter 3 verse 18 says this. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace. Let me say it another way. Till you have peace, nothing's going to be right. The seed whose fruit is righteous. And when everything's right in our life, if you want righteousness, you want everything right, it is sown in peace. Everything starts with peace. Till you have peace, ain't nothing going to be right. That's not good English, but that's great preaching. And it's very scriptural. Peace is one of the most important things we have in our lives. It is the starting point. Starting point. Now, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at the whole passage here. But I'm going to look at one verse. Philippians 4, 7 says this. And the peace of God. Now, dear ones, let me just pause here. You're going to see in a minute where Jesus said there are two types of peace. There's something called the world's peace, and then there's God's peace. The peace of God. Two different things. And this is not talking about everything's going good, I'm having a good day. That's not the peace of God. This is the peace that comes from God. Let's read it. And the peace of God, which what? Passes all understanding. It makes no sense that when everything around you is falling apart, you're not affected one bit. That's what it means. It, pa it passes understanding. You just got a report. Doctor just says you have stage four cancer and you're not bothered the least. You say that's impossible. That's the peace of God. It, that's why it says it passes understanding. It doesn't make sense. When you can live in this peace right here, this peace of God, and I want you to watch what he said in that verse. The peace of God that, that is just supernatural, it passes all understanding. What will it do? It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. How would you like to have that? How would you like to get to a place to where nothing could rock you? No, no anxiety, no worry, no fear. It's like you're in a, a bubble of God's glory. That's exactly what the peace of God is. And this is one of the greatest promises in all the world is the peace of God. Now, I want us to look at another verse before we come back to this. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14 about the place of peace in our lives. Romans chapter 14. All right, somebody, one of you Bible scholars, 
tell me what is to be the priority of my life. If I'm a follower of Jesus, what's the number one thing in my life? Let me, let me, help, me help you. Seek ye first. Seek ye first means make number one, put it first, make this the priority of your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All this stuff will be added to you. Your bills will be paid. Friends will be there. Your, your soup will be warm. All that will be added to you. But you seek you first the kingdom of God. You make the priority of your life the kingdom of God. Now, okay, I know what's supposed to be first. I don't know what the kingdom of God is. Is it what goes on around a church? I'm not being unkind. Not much. That's church work. That's not the kingdom of God. What is, the, what is this thing that I'm supposed to be seeking more than anything else? Well, the definition's in Romans 14, 17, where the Bible said this. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not the physical stuff, our clothes we wear. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Tell me what I'm supposed to seek more than anything else in my life. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not when you go to church, get involved in church stuff. To be honest with you, that's pretty boring to me. The kingdom of God is when the Holy Spirit of God comes into your life and he does some things. He does three things. What is the sequence? The sequence is very important. What's first? Righteousness. It's when God comes into your life. Now, now righteousness is a religious word. But, you know, righteous. Righteousness. What's the root word of righteousness? Right. It's when the Spirit of God comes inside of you and makes things right. Okay? And when he makes things right, he does two things. He will cause you to love God and love people, everything's right. If you hate people and you're mad at people and you're full of bitterness and unforgiveness, that is unrighteousness or you are not right. So let's get right. <laughs> it's when the Spirit of God comes into your life, He just makes things right. He changes your heart. You begin to love Jesus passionately and you begin to love people properly. All right? When that happens, when He brings righteousness in, what is the result? What comes next? peace. When you get right on the inside, you go have peace. Peace always follows right. Now listen, if you're, I started to say pissed off, and I can't say that. If you're, if you're angry toward people and you're mad at people, you are not right. Righteous. Therefore, you have no peace. You have, you're not upset because of what they did. You're upset because you're not right. <laughs> the kingdom of God is when he makes, he gets it right inside of me and when it's right inside of me, I'm going to have peace. And then what's the next? When I have peace, then I will enjoy my life. The kingdom of God is righteousness, which brings peace, which brings joy in life. What did my father tell me to seek first? The Holy Spirit, let him make it right so you can live in peace, so you can enjoy your life. How in the world we got this church stuff out of that? I have no idea. But that is what I'm to seek above everything else. The Bible said this in Colossians. You say, well, I don't know whether I'm right or not. Yes, you do. Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace of God rule in your life. If I don't have peace, something's not right. When I'm right, there'll be peace. I've had people just, I mean, fire was coming out of their tail feathers and smoke out of their ears. And I don't want to talk about it. You go get right, then we'll talk. What makes you think I'm not right? There's no peace. When you're right, there'll be peace and mean you can both enjoy our lives. How about that? The number one thing I pursue, all right, tell me what the kingdom of God is. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. God Almighty created us to be creatures of peace. 
That's why our bodies don't work well when we're upset. That's where ulcers and psychosomatic illnesses come. We just were not designed to live in turmoil, strife, stress, and hell raising. We were designed to live in peace. Our God is the God of peace. His name is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. What's the first thing Jesus always said to everybody when he walked up to them? Peace, peace. We were born for this. We don't work well when there's not peace. Let there be peace on earth. I can't handle that, but let there be peace in me. And it comes from things being right. And then, listen, you want to enjoy your life? Let's go backwards. To enjoy your life, you have to have peace. To have peace, you have to be right with God, which means, listen, don't complicate it. Don't give me 39 rules. Love God, love people, everything's right. You'll enjoy your peace, have joy. All right, so there's, there's what the scripture teaches you and I. Let me tell you something, doc, friends, everybody. You better learn how to walk in the peace of God because you're going to need it with what's coming on this planet. Let's go back to Philippians chapter four and let's look at the how, how of peace. Now, the Bible teaches me here. Let me tell you something. The Bible teaches this. Peace is not automatic. You don't have the peace of God just because you're a child of God. Most of the children of God I know do not walk in the peace of God. You, got to do, you, you have to be a child of God, but you have to do something to walk in the peace of God. You have to do something to enjoy it. And this is the premier passage on peace. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And these five verses, six verses, whatever it is, 4 through 9, they teach me and you how to live in peace. And I want to look at it this morning. It's very simple. I'm going to give you six words from this. And um, I want us to look at the last verse first. Let's look at the last verse first. I want you to see something. If I'm going to have the peace of God, verse 9 says this. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. You can invert that. The peace of God will be with you. To live in the peace of God, I have to learn, I have to receive it, then I have to do it. Got it? So this morning we're going to learn. If, if I will learn you from the Bible, will you receive it? You can learn it and not receive it. You're going to learn it this morning if you're going to listen. You're going to learn something. Will you receive it? I'll never forget, years ago I'm teaching in a church somewhere visiting and uh, I taught on the peace of God. And afterwards, an older lady, she came, she said, now, preacher, you know you can't help but worry. She learned it because I just got done with 45 minutes. I learned and her it. But you know what? She didn't receive it. She didn't believe God told the truth. He said, would you straighten her out? You call my God a liar, I'm done talking. I'm going to tell you something. There is a peace that passes understanding. You've got to learn how to walk in it. Then you've got to believe you can. That's, that's what it means to receive it. And then you've got to practice it. You've got to do what the man says. And the things which you have learned and received, if you'll do them, the peace of God will be all over your life. Sleep like a baby. Can't get upset. Fear bounces off you like you made out of Teflon. This is good. All right, so let's look and see what he says about, we've got to learn it. We've got to learn it first. I'll give you six words. Number one, this is shocking. It begins in verse four and he said this, if you're going to walk in peace and this whole passage is about the peace of God, you have to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Go ahead and say it to me. What has that got to do with peace? I knew you was going to say that. Here's the revelation from God's word. Are you ready? Peace is rooted in worship. All peace is rooted in worship. You say, why, if I need peace, why would you tell me to start celebrating? 
Rejoice in the Lord. I want us to look at that again. Some people can't believe it's in the Bible. That's why I want you to look at it. Rejoice in the Lord. What's the next word? Always. Always. During the good times and the bad times. Always. You need to chew on that. Have you ever told your children something twice so they get it? Why you think he said, again, I say. Because this shocks people he had to say it twice. Then when all peace is rooted in worship. Where there is no worship, there can be no peace. And uh, we, we've got this thing upside down when it comes to, to worship. Let me, tell you something, let me tell you something about worship. I'm not talking about singing in church. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about music here. I'm talking about in your heart and in your mind. Uh, let me quote to you Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Be filled with the Holy Spirit because he is peace, through the Spirit, peace. Singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord, giving thanks in everything. This is where on the inside of you, there's just this constant, I am so fortunate to be alive. God has been good to me. Like the old country song, got a good woman's loving and supper in the oven. He's dealt me a good hand. And you, you just got this heart attitude inside. You just thank you, Jesus. I praise you and thank you and bless you. And you just sing on the inside. Your, your heart becomes a chamber of worship and gratitude and praise and thanksgiving. That is the key to peace. That's why the passage on how to live in peace begins with worship. Now, let me tell you what we do. Most, people, most believers I know have it upside down. <clears throat> most people want to, uh, they want to have, they want to have peace and then rejoice. Well, when, when everything gets straightened out, we get past this, we'll have a celebration time. Nope, that's not the way it works. Put an X beside that. It's not peace and then rejoicing. Rejoicing is what releases peace. You rejoice to get peace, not because you got it. Uh, all through the Bible, this is illustrated. Let me give you one example. <clears throat> Second Chronicles 20. A, a tri, triad, tri, not triad, triad of nations came down to attack Israel. They were going to be slaughtered. Their women and children were going to be killed. They didn't stand a chance. Jehoshaphat prayed and the Lord said to him, this is not your battle, this is my battle. You need to memorize that verse. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. He said, you will not need to fight in this battle. Then listen to what he said. Position yourself. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Put the singers out front. Listen to what the Bible says. So they put the singers out front. And when, when, listen to this. When they began to sing, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Then the Lord set ambushments and destroyed the people of Moab, Mount Seir, and Ammon. And the land enjoyed peace. They didn't wait till the battle was won before they started singing. When they started singing, the battle was won. And God crushed their enemies and brought peace. This is one of those supernatural, Holy Spirit, don't make no sense. That's why it passes all understanding. This is another one of those where we refer back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The things of the Spirit seem foolish to the natural mind. It don't make no sense to sing in the middle of a storm. Dear ones, you sing your way out of the storm. But a heart that's full of gratitude and praise and adoration. That's why the Bible said in Philippians 2, do all things without murmuring. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 said, these are our examples. They murmured and they were bitten by the serpent. Do you think he's talking about a copperhead there? Complaining, whining, murmuring, fussing is the best way to be bitten by the serpent. 
I don't want to be bit by the serpent. I want to be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit singing in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. Dear ones, you worship. All peace is rooted in worship. Worship on the inside. We had to become a worshiping people on the inside. All righty. Word number two. You need to memorize Philippians 4, 4. You need to quote it every morning. Word number two is the word relax. Read verse five with me. It says this. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Why? The Lord's right there. The Lord's at hand. The word gentleness is a terrible translation. Some Bibles say graciousness. The best translation for that word is laid back attitude. You know, if, if, uh, if my daughter's walking through a parking lot somewhere and a couple of thugs start walking toward her, she's going to be very nervous. I mean, the, both of them, they're staring at her and they're walking. She's going to be very nervous. But if she feels her daddy walk up beside her and she looks around, there's her daddy standing right there. And she knows that there's all seven of them right there. Daddy plus them six in his back pocket. She's going to relax. You can relax when you know your daddy's right there. You say, I can't see him. You're not going to see him. Let me tell you something. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. You say, well, when I can see him, what does that book say right there in verse 5? Let your relaxed spirit be seen to all people, your gentleness. Why? Because what? Tell me what it means the Lord is at hand. It literally means he is close enough you can touch him with your hand. Look up here. Look right, look right here. He's standing right there. He's right here. He's right here with me. His angels are with me all the time. I can relax. There was, if you can't trust God, <laughs> if he can't handle it, we all need to have a nervous breakdown. I have read that book. I have seen what this man can do. I have seen what he will do for his children. He's right there. So I'm going to relax. Since he neither slumbereth nor sleepeth, I'm going to bed. You need to relax. You weren't going to fix the mess anyway. Right there he is. I love relax. Word number three is the word refuse. Now, again, this is going to be new to some people. Look with me in verse six. Be anxious or worried for nothing. Did you know you can do that? Did you know you can refuse to worry? What does it say right there? You don't have to take worry. You don't have to take fear. You don't have to take anxiety. The Bible said right there, just refuse it. Um, if that guy in the truck with the smile on it pulls up in my driveway and he comes up and says, I've got something for you. If I say, we're not taking it. He's got to take it back in his truck and drive off. Now, if I take it, it's mine. But if I refuse that package, he's got to go. Dear ones, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, who do you think is the delivery boy of fear, anxiety, worry, stress, nervousness, yada, yada? Who do you think delivers that stuff to your door? Tell him, I ain't taking it. You can take it back to you. With take it back to hell where it came from. I'm refusing this delivery. I didn't know I could do that. That's why you've been eating it. You didn't know you could refuse it. The Bible said, be worried for nothing. Just listen, why don't we just choose, I don't want to live like this no more. I don't want to live with fear and anxiety and tension. I want to live in peace. Dear ones, let me point something out to you here. The God who wrote this book and said to you, be worried for nothing will never bring worry into your life. 
he'd be contradicting his own word. The God who told you 360 times in this book, fear not, does not bring fear into your life. Guess where it's coming from? Refuse the package. Tell them, I'm not going to do this. Just make up your mind. I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm not going to live in anxiety. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be tense. I'm not going to be upset. I'm not southern part of our county. Toe up. I'm just not going to be toe up no more. I'm going to live in peace. I didn't know you could do that. Aren't you glad you came this morning? The Bible said, refuse it. You just don't have to take it. I'm not going to do it. And uh, let me point something out to you here. I don't care if you love Jesus with all your heart. If you don't start refusing those deliveries, you're going to eat them. I better show you that. 1 Peter 5, 8. Let's look over there. 1 Peter 5, 8. If you don't start saying no, you're going to eat it. He's going to put it on your door. 1 Peter 5, 8. There's a wonderful passage here. 1 Peter 5, 8. Will you believe the Bible if we read it? Was that a hard question or what? 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. Be sober, be vigilant. We looked at that Wednesday night. Ms. Redneck up. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, destroy. I don't know any better way to destroy people's lives than to bring fear, anxiety, tension, and stress in their lives and steal their peace. What does verse 9 say? Refuse the package. Resist him. In the faith, you've seen in God's word where it's true. Now you've got the faith because you know his word. Listen, don't let him bring that stuff into your life. Just tell him, I'm not going to be a man of worry. I'm not going to be nervous. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be concerned. Concerned. I'm going to show you in a minute. Let Jesus handle it. I'm going to make an announcement. We don't have to live like this anymore. Uh, in my line of work, people are bad to come up to me and say, Brother Brian, Brother Brian, we have a problem. And I, I just think to myself, yeah, we really do. And so many times I want to tell them like Tonto told the Lone Ranger. Y'all remember the Lone Ranger, Masked Man, and Kimasabi had Tonto with him and rode around with him. One day the Lone Ranger and Tonto was riding and all of a sudden they were surrounded by Indians. And it looked terrible and the Lone Ranger's nervous. He said to Tonto, said, we have a problem, Tonto. And Tonto said, what you mean we, white man? We ain't got no problem. We don't have a problem unless we want to. Just refuse it. It's just the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. Best thing I ever heard in my life. It came as good news to me when I heard it. So the Bible tells you and I, you just need to refuse anxiety. And let me tell you what you can also do concerning this thing. Talk to it. Speak it. We looked Wednesday night in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus just spoke and said, Get thee behind me. I ain't taking this stuff. When anxiety over something starts creeping on me, I shouldn't say this in church, but I'm going to say it. As stuff starts creeping up on me, I just tell them, why don't you go back to hell where you came from? Well, I think I've told this before. I was over at the other campus one day and I was going through, a, some mess was going on and I was getting a little irritated. I confess my sin. And uh, it was just on and there was tension and a lot of tension around churches. For some reason, church people like strife. And I was going, I turned the corner walking, but I didn't know anybody else was in the building at the time. I said, would you go back to hell where you came from? cleaning lady turned and stuck her head around because she said, you talking to me? I said, you, no, you're doing a fine job. You stay right there. I was talking to somebody else. She knows how this stuff goes. You don't have to take it. Be worried for nothing. Amen. 
I done made up my mind. I've worried the last day of my life. All right? So, well, Brother Brown, if I can't worry, what am I going to do? Glad you asked. Word number four, release it. Turn back to Philippians chapter four. Here's exactly what you do in the middle of the mess. Philippians chapter four, verse six says this, be worried for nothing. All right, watch these words carefully, but in everything. Tell me what the Greek word everything might mean. Somebody want to guess? Big, small, crazy, in everything. Watch this. By prayer and supplication, supplication just means prayer, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What does the Bible tell me right there? You take every need, burden, worry, fear, problem, concern, and you transfer them to the creator of the universe through prayer. Just put it there. If we'd have stayed in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, above verse 8, you'd have read this. Casting all your concerns upon him because he cares for you. All right, you got Brown Biggers, who's just an average guy. He's getting some years on him. Can't run like he could used to. Just an average guy. Should he handle all his problems? I've got the creator of the universe who says, I'll take care of him. Which one do you think ought to be handling my mess? What do you tell you to do right there? Don't you worry about it. Give it to God. Transfer it to him. We used to sing an old song years ago in our little church of God. Leave them there. Oh, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. You understand why, don't, why I preach and don't sing. If you'll trust and never doubt, God will surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. We closed every service with people coming around the altar and praying. I heard a preacher say, I'm counseling all week at what we used to deal with at the altar on Sunday nights. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. What did he say? Don't worry about it. In everything, through prayer with thanksgiving, take it to God. Family problems, personal problems, sin problems, financial problems, you name it. Just take it to him. Dear ones, did he not invite you in 1 Peter 5, 7 to take every detail of your life to him? Why can I take everything to him? What's the last part of verse 7 say in 1 Peter 5? He cares about me. He cares for you. Richie quoted earlier today, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 18, I will be a father to them. It didn't say I'll be their father. You can be a father and not be a father to somebody. He said, I will be a father to them. Do you think, of course, none of my children live with me anymore. Do you think if they called me today and said, I have a problem, do you think I'd hang up and say, I'm, I'm too busy? I love my children. They bring a problem to me. <laughs> their problem is my problem. He's a better father than I am. As a friend I used to race dirt bikes with, said, son, you mess with me, you have the whole trailer park on you. Let me tell you something. You mess with me, you're going to have God on you because he's my father. And you need to take your stuff to him. There, there ones you can't just say, well, he'll handle it. You can't do that. There has to be a specific prayer. I don't mean a special prayer. You have to be a time of prayer. All right, I'm dealing with a financial burden, uh, my family's crap, whatever, whatever. I need to stop and say, I am not going to worry about this. I'm not going to struggle with it. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to close the door. I may get on my knee. I like to get on my knees when I pray about stuff like this. And I'm going to say, Father, here's my problem. And in the name of Jesus, it is now your problem. I give it to you. Now let's read it again. Everything, prayer and supplication with what? What's in there? Thanksgiving. Oh God, you know how bad it is. And I've been throwing up this green stuff all night. God, no, no, that's not Thanksgiving. That's foolishness. Father, we're having a problem in our marriage right now. I don't understand it. I don't know what to do. I'm tired of trying. 
But in Jesus' name, I put this marriage on you and I bring it to you. And I want to praise you and thank you that you're going to heal it. Thank you that you're now working on this. Dear ones, look at me. Either the man tells the truth or he doesn't. And he just told me to take every need of my life to him and give it to him. Okay, now, all right, I get up off my knee. I just prayed my prayer. I took it to him and I thanked him for handling it. Does the man tell the truth or not? When I get up from that place, do I have a problem anymore? It's not mine anymore. Whose is it? You say, it sounds too good to be true. Look right here. It sounds too good not to be true to me. The man tells the truth. This is where peace comes from. A buddy of mine, he was a traveling preacher and, you know, he was poor as a church mouse going through a rough time. And, and uh, I think his car payment was due going through a rough patch. And uh, he said he went to bed that night and he, he just woke, after about an hour, he woke up worried. Car payment's due tomorrow. What you going to do? And he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then, he, and then he thought about it. He said, God on him. He just face said, now you know better than this. What are you doing laying here and worrying about a car payment? What did the Bible say to do? Why don't you just take it? He said, I got out of the bed and got down on my knees. He said, I remember because he said the floor was linoleum. It was cold. He said, I got down on my knees and he said, now, Father, that car payment's there tomorrow. I got to have it because I got to travel and preach. I don't have the money and I'm casting it on you in the name of Jesus. And I give that to you and it's now yours. And I want to praise you and thank you that tomorrow the money will be here. And he said, I went back to bed, said about an hour, woke up and I heard this said, car payment's doing. He said, he just said, I said out loud, real quiet so it wouldn't wake my wife up, said out loud, oh, I don't have car payment. He said, now you done gone to line, preacher gone to line. He said, you know, he said, no, no, I don't have a car payment. He said, I gave that to God. It's his car payment. He can pay it. You know what that's called? The just shall live by faith. Wouldn't it be great if this stuff worked? Am I making this up? You've seen it right in the Bible. You got you to release it unto the Lord with thanksgiving. All right. Go a little further here. Fifth word is the word receive. Look with me in verse seven. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind with thanksgiving. Let's change a word in there. And it, it's good to do something. Verse 7, take the word and, put the word until there. You pray and you thank God until the peace of God starts coming over you. And let me tell you something. This is not a, I think it's going to be all right. That's the world's peace. This is a tangible something you will feel. It's a sweet quietness that comes over you. It is the peace of God. It passes all understanding. You can't explain it. But when you say, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to take it to God and I'm going to thank him. And you will worship him and thank him and you will sense a quietness come over you. That's the peace of God. A friend of mine, he's from this community here. He's a businessman. And he told me some time ago, he said, uh, something happened in my store, uh, my business lady got hurt. And he said, one of them hawk, you know, one of them vulture law firms, did we cheat him and hire somebody? Got hold of her and fight, decided they could sue me over what he said. It was her fault. She's the one who fell down. So no fault. But they're going to sue me. And he said, I got nervous. So I got worried. That thing laid on me for a few days. And I'd wake up at night, you're going to lose your business, going to lose everything. You're going to lose your house because it's tied to it. And he said, I was just so worried. And I said, that went on for a couple of days. And he said, finally, I just thought, I can't take this no more. Would to God we'd get to the place where we could say, I can't take this no more. And he said, I just went in my office and said, I just closed the door and got down on my knees and said, Father, I can't handle this. I'm giving it to you. He said, I got up and I walked out of there. I walked across the, the garage part. And he said, I can take you back to the spot on the floor where something just came over me 
and a sweetness and a quietness came over me. It's like I didn't have a care in this world. Well, he didn't have. Didn't he just give his care to the Lord? He didn't have a care in the world. But the peace of God came over him that passes all understanding. This is the way we live right here. It'll, and it'll guard your heart, guard your mind, guard you on the inside. That's the inside, your heart and mind on the inside. And it's a tangible peace. All right, let's look at the two pieces. Jesus made a promise. Why don't you turn with me to John chapter 14. I want to show you one of the greatest things Jesus ever gave you. John chapter 14. John 14, if you're familiar with John 14, this is the last thing Jesus ever taught before he went back to heaven. And he said, I'm fixing to go back to heaven, but before you leave, I'm going to give you all something. And he gave him two things. You said, I thought he gave one. No, he gave him two things. He told him, said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And he'll, he'll guide you into truth. He'll encourage you. He'll teach you. He'll be to you what I was. Matter of fact, Jesus said this, it's better that I go away so the Spirit can come. I've often thought how wonderful it would have been to walk with Jesus. You know what he said? You're better off to have my spirit inside of you than to have me standing beside of you. Well, I find that hard to believe, but if a man said it, it's true. But John 14, 27, one of the greatest promises he ever made. Look what he gave. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. You know what he said? Y'all have watched me. Have you ever seen me nervous? Have you ever seen me afraid? Did you see me afraid one time in these three years we've been together? Have you ever seen me upset? Have you ever seen me controlled by my circumstances? He said, you've watched my peace. And then he said, what? Here, it's yours now. I'm going to give you my peace. Now watch what he said after this. Verse 27. Not as the world gives do I give to you. See there? That's a different peace. The world's peace is a peace that says this. When everybody gets to acting right, and the trouble settles down and the money shows up, then I can relax. That's the world's peace. The world's peace has to have everything right around it before it can relax. Jesus said, I'm not talking about that kind of peace. He said, you have watched me in some of the most hellish situations. You never saw me bothered one time. I'm giving you a peace that is not dictated by what's around you. It's because of what's inside of you. And then watch what he, he, he gave me and you these two commands. What did he say after that? Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. What did Jesus tell me to do? You cannot be worried and you cannot be afraid. If somebody says to me, Brother Brian, you, you're not afraid of anything, are you? I can't. My religion doesn't allow me to be afraid. Why do, did Jesus not command us not to steal? That's an easy question. He did not command us not to steal. That's why we don't steal. Did he not command us don't commit adultery? I think some folks need to be reminded of that. That's why we don't commit adultery. Did he just not command me not to be worried and not to be afraid? Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. You say, man, I, this is crazy. This is wonderful. Let me just pitch this out here. Here it is. There it is. What if it could happen? What if you could live a life where there was no worry, no fear, no stress, what did the man say in verse 27? Let's go a little bit further. It was probably right across the page. John 16, 33. He said this. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Why was the Bible written? So I could live in this peace. Then he said this. In the world you will have trouble. Now a lot of people think that we need to dialogue today so we can straighten our problems out. Dialogue all you want to. It's not going to happen. There will be no peace on this earth until the Prince of Peace comes back. But I want to make an announcement. There will be peace in his heart right here. And there's going to be peace in his mind. Listen, 
My peace I give unto you. These things I've spoken. I wrote the Bible so you can live in peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Let me make an announcement in case you're wondering. Oh, here's another one. Be of good cheer. When people say to me in the checkout line, you sure are happy today, I tell them I have to be as part of my religion. My king, my king has commanded me not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to be worried, not to be afraid. And now he's commanded me to be of good cheer. I'm sorry, I have to be happy. He said, Brother Mine, how can anybody be of good cheer in a difficult time? What do you think the peace of God is? The kingdom of God is righteousness, then peace, then joy in the Holy Spirit. What a promise this is. Now I want to point something out before we quit here. Can you see the two pieces? There's a peace that comes when everything's going right. But friend, that's a pretty pathetic peace because tomorrow things might be wrong. You're going to lose your peace. And then there's a peace come hell or high water. It can't shake it. That's the peace of God. That's what he gives us. Let me tell you why I love this peace so much. Let me tell you why I'm not going to surrender it. My king paid a high price for me to have this peace. I don't know if you knew this or not, but in Roman law, even as brutal and barbaric as the Romans were when they crucified Jesus, it was illegal to crucify a man and whip him. You could either tie him to the whipping post and it's called chastising and chastise him or you could crucify him, but you couldn't do both. Jesus is the only man under Roman law to ever be chastised and crucified. They tied him to the whipping post and whipped him 39 times with a cat of nine tails and then they crucified him. What was that all about? The cross was my salvation. Jesus died on the cross to save my soul and to bring me back in relationship to my father. Why was he whipped? If the cross would save me, why did the man have to be whipped? Isaiah 53 says this, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. He died on a cross so I could be saved and have God as my father. He was whipped so I could live in peace and be healed. Two different things. He paid a hellish price so I could enjoy peace. I want to make an announcement to the little sawed-off demon who comes to get it. This peace was bought at a tremendous price. You're not getting it from me. Jesus suffered so I could live in peace. I'm going to live there. And not only the little sawed-off demon who tries to take it, I'm old enough I can say it, but the old lady in my church who tries to steal it, you ain't getting it neither. <laughs> Brian at thelambschapel.org, send it. We'll get the news out there fast. All righty. I got to throw in one more here. Let's go back to Philippians 4. One more here and then we're done. All righty. Romans, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, you got to do something. We've seen all the verses. Let's look at the one last verse here. Receive his peace. But I want you to notice, dear ones, verse 8, it seems out of place. But verse 8 is the linchpin of peace. And it says this, finally, brethren, so that's the last thing. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are inspiring, whatever things are beautiful, pure, encouraging, exciting, excellent, wonderful. You get the list here. Think on these things. All right, here it is. Number six, you're going to have to start resist dark thinking. You have to quit thinking dark. Peace hinges on the thought life. All of life hinges on the thought life. Dear ones, if you're going to walk in peace, you have to discipline your mind. You, you can't think anything you want to think and walk in peace. 
To walk in peace, the Bible gave you eight parameters right there. You notice every one of those things, pure, beautiful, encouraging, inspiring, excellent, praiseworthy. Let's just call it up. It sounds like positive thinking to me. You, you can call it grapefruit. I don't care what you call it. But you've got to discipline your mind to stay in that frame right there. Because where the mind goes, peace follows. Listen to this. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says this. The mind obedient to the Spirit is life and peace. What did the Spirit just tell you to think about? The beautiful, the encouraging, the glorious. The, the when you obey Him, your mind will be at peace. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You got to control your thinking and discipline your thinking. Let, let me just, you say, oh, crap, crap. I can't think about stupid stuff no more. Let me make an announcement. I wasn't enjoying it anyway. I have no problem thinking about the beautiful, the faith building, the encouraging. The I'd rather stare at the beautiful than the pathetic anyway. What is wrong with this sick nation that we would rather stare at the puke and meditate on the pathetic than to meditate on the beautiful and the glorious? We got mental problems in this nation. Get your mind out of the gutter. Get it out of the TV. Get it out of the Facebook. Get it in his book. All right. You got to control and discipline your mind. I'm going to say it again. A life of peace has been promised to you, but it's not automatic. I'm going to quote again the last verse, which was the first verse we read. The things which you have learned today, you've learned some things today and received. Have you received what you've learned today? Do you believe God tells the truth? Yes, he does. Then what does it say do next? Practice it. Tomorrow morning when you get up, practice it. All right, this will probably happen before dark today. You, you might run into a problem. Something might happen some little worry thing going to crawl up to you, you need to go, uh, not today. Uh-uh, not today, Jose. And most of the time I find that just by refusing, it'll go away. But sometimes it comes six dump truck loads at a time. And then I excuse myself. And if I'm in a public place, I go to the bathroom. The bathroom is my closet. Or I just go somewhere, I get alone, and I say, now, Father, this thing's trying to worry me. This train's trying once in a while even fear comes and I say this thing's trying to make me afraid and in the name of Jesus I'm not going to take it I want to praise you and thank you that you're my burden bearer and that you said I could bring my problems to you and, in the, and a lot of times I'll just take my hand and just go there it is and I'll cast my cares on him and then I spend a little time thanking him and praising him that I no longer have a problem and then I get up and go fishing enjoy my life I'm not going to do it I learned that I believe God tells the truth and I do it every time it comes up. And what does it say? The things you have learned and received, do them and the peace of God will be with you. I love the peace of God. I, I love it. There's, just, there's nothing like it. I, I want to be the guy who, when there's a storm and everybody's screaming, we're going to die, I want to be the one laying on the side of the boat, dead asleep. You say, well, Jesus could do that. All right, let me throw my last picture in here. I believe God gave, Jesus gave his peace to everybody. In John 14, Jesus said, you've watched peace on me. Now here. The next book is the book of Acts. And what's the first thing we find in there? Simon is arrested for preaching. He's thrown in prison. He's kept between four quadrants of soldiers. He is chained to two soldiers. I think they're nervous about that redneck fisherman getting loose. And he knew they were going to execute him the next morning to gain favor with the Jewish community. There you are. You've been serving Jesus, following Jesus. 
clown, you know, what is it? Jokers to the left of me, clowns to the right. Here we are. I'm locked in here. And you look at your watch. I don't know if you had one or not. You look at your watch. In seven hours, your head's going to be cut off. You're going to be executed by a brutal dictator. An angel came and opened the door, told him to wake up. He didn't wake up. The angel had to kick him to get him awake. You know what that is? That's the peace of God on a man who's fixing to be executed in a few hours. And he is so at peace that he snored. And you had a hard time waking him up. That is the peace of God right there. It is still available today to every human being. And you need to live in it and love it and enjoy it. You can be a millionaire and be miserable. I can be a hundred air and be happy if I've got peace on the inside. Let me ask you about one more thing. We need the peace of God in our lives. It's wonderful. But before you get the peace of God, you need to have peace with God. Two different things. Have you made peace with God? I want to ask you a question, wherever you're, at, wherever you're watching at today, do you have peace with God? Is everything all right between you and your creator? The Bible said Jesus came to make peace. And Jesus is a carpenter. He was a carpenter. He's a great carpenter. He built a bridge all the way to heaven with two boards and three nails. The cross is our way back to the Father so we can have peace with God. Friend, if you, if you haven't come to Jesus through the cross, you are not at peace with God. The wrath of God rests on you. John chapter 3 said, if we reject Jesus, the wrath of God rests on us. But Jesus suffered in my place on a cross so I could have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says this, having been justified by the cross of Jesus and faith in that cross, we now have peace with God. You're looking at a man, there's nothing between me and my Savior, me and God. We're right with each other. I didn't do it, he did it. I received it. Have you ever received the peace of God? Have you ever received the forgiveness of God into your life and the cross that makes you his child? I got an idea. Let's do it right now. There's no better time than right now. See, let me think about it. Well, let me remind you what the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. Let's just do it today and get it out of the way so you can go live your life. If you want to be right with God and you want peace with God and you're willing to confess that you're a sinner and humble yourself and ask him to forgive you and believe in Jesus as your Savior, let's pray right now. Dear Jesus, I pray for everybody out there. I don't know who they are, where they are, but I thank you for your promise that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Preacher, prostitute, it don't matter. Everybody, thank you that you opened heaven's door with the cross. Father, draw everybody out there that you want as a son or a daughter that's willing to come to you right now. Friend, wherever you're at, I want you like a child to pray in your heart. Simple prayer. I'll help you. Say this with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross because you love me to bring me back to God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, every one of them. I repent. I turn from them. Today, I trust you as my Savior, my Lord, and the love of my life. Today, I start my walk with you, Jesus. I am now an official follower of Jesus by faith in your promise. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for speaking to me today. And thank you for having me on your team. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.